When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Wednesday morning on the Buckeye Breakdown podcast, we heard from Ryan Day yesterday as he evaluated Ohio State's season opening win over Indiana. We talked to, we talked with him about a lot of things and we got some answers, but maybe not all of the answers we were looking for. Certainly got a little insight on the offensive line. Ryan Day claims that the issues they saw on, on camera uh, are fixable. We're going to discuss a little bit how fixable we think those issues are. We also heard him uh, elaborate a bit on quarterback performance and on the plan moving forward with both Kyle and Devin, given that Youngstown State is coming to town this week. We've got lots to discuss on this Wednesday morning edition of the Buckeye Breakdown Podcast. We've got the whole crew together as we cover Ohio State with our instant analysis from Ohio State. There's something that doesn't feel right. Unbelievable effort from him today. Is EJ Liddell going to crack the first team all Big Ten? I think he can be the guy. I'm not trying to start a quarterback controversy. He seems to have the durability. He certainly has the toughness. This is the question on a lot of people's minds here. Welcome to Buckeye Breakdown. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Buckeye Breakdown. We love being with you every weekday morning from 7 a.m. until we finish up. Usually the show goes about a half an hour, sometimes uh, a little more or a little less, but we uh, we love being one of your first stops to talk Ohio State football each weekday morning. We're live at 7 a.m., uh, and certainly on the weekends, you can catch all of our coverage uh, throughout the course of the weekend around Ohio State games. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with us, we're certainly glad to have you. You can watch this live. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel if you're doing so. Uh, that would be a great way to support us. We certainly appreciate that. If you're listening after the fact, that's fine too. Just know that you can interact with us live. We certainly take lots of questions along the way, and we'd love to have you. All the latest news and info on the team is available over at BuckeyesNow.com. This podcast is affiliated with the Sports Illustrated Media Group, part of the Fan Nation Network. I'm Brendan Gulick along with Anthony Meglin, and today we are talking about Ohio State's offense specifically the offensive line, but we're going to touch on a couple of other topics, including quarterback, uh, from what, what we heard from Ryan Day yesterday. Anthony, good morning. And uh, yesterday, you uh, I know you had a chance to see the press conference, too. What was your big takeaway? Yeah, good morning, sir. It was a uh, it was a good – I think it was a pretty good uh, press conference from Ryan Day. I was, uh, wasn't sure what his tone was going to be, but you could sense a little bit of urgency uh, from him and a little bit of uneasiness. Uh, but one of the things he kept referencing is that a lot of the mistakes were fixable. And I know that uh, we have some clips that we're going to listen to here in a little bit, uh, but you'll, you'll hear that a consistent theme of, Hey, it was good enough to win um, on Sunday or excuse me on Saturday, but things need to get better. And I do believe that there's a, uh, there's a large sense of urgency um, to get them better because they know uh, maybe not this weekend, maybe not next weekend, but, What's coming down the pipe is uh, is a team that's you're going to have to play really good football against. Um, so they have some time to get it right, but it's time to uh, to start getting it right. And I think that was uh, a lot of the messaging um, that we heard yesterday from him. Let's dive in right away. First question of the press conference was directed to coach a, a little bit about the offensive line, but touching on their need as an offense in general just to get better. Front row, middle, middle, twenty four seven sports. 
Hi, Ryan. When you reviewed the film of the offensive line and talked with Coach Fry and Coach like what didn't you like and what are some miscommunication issues there? Yeah, I'm not going to get into like crazy details on it all, but um, yeah, they I felt like they needed to play better in the run game. Um, I think we're only 50% efficient overall on first and second down running the ball, so that's not good enough. Um, you know, they, they certainly did give us some things that maybe we weren't expecting, but even when they did, um, you know, I, I didn't think we handled it as well as we could have. So, uh, getting back to work on that this week. Josh, you have some good players on defense. How much do you attribute it to the coordinator being here last year and knowing you guys? Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. I mean, listen, we, we, there, was, there was times where, um, you know, that didn't play into account at all. And we got to execute better. It's just the bottom line. And I think what happens sometimes is when you get into preseason camp and you run plays and it goes on to the next period or the next drill, you don't quite feel the consequences of not executing at a high level. And, and that's what happened on Saturday. It's um, in the situational things. But we got off schedule in the run game and, and we can't do that. Obviously, uh, there were some moments that were pretty frustrating, and um, I, I thought, you know, that was the right mentality, I suppose, the right approach for him, uh, you know, to, to walk out of week one and say, like, okay, there there were some decent things. Um, but I I also thought it was fair that he didn't hide the fact that there were obviously some issues there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, one of the big things I take away from even just that little clip there. Um, is the what he said at the end. Um, you know, when you're when you get into camp mode, it's all practice mode, and it's hey, defense won that period, or offense won that period, and then we're on to special teams, or we're on to back to individual, or something. You know, you start, you you just move right along. Um, and his quote there at the end, saying, you know, in camp mode, sometimes you don't feel the consequences of losing a period or the consequences of two back to back bad plays. Um, whereas on Saturday. Um, you know, he kept referencing the run game. You know, everyone um, from a PFF grade didn't really grade out well in the run, uh, did pretty, did okay in the past game, but the run game looked to be uh, a little bit of a struggle. Um, and when you do get off schedule, it makes things really tough. And, and uh, that's what we saw on Saturday. A lot of, um, you know, a lot of third and longs, um, which isn't what you want to be. A lot of second and longs, which is, is obviously not what you want to be uh, because it puts a lot of pressure on the quarterback. Um, and it puts a lot of pressure um, then on the offensive line to protect um, when when teams know you're in obvious passing situations. So everything's connected. And I like what he said about having to change the way they practice or maybe just change the mindset of, hey, when you lose a period, you have to feel it because on Saturday you definitely will uh, feel it. Does that mean they're going to run more this week? <laughs> <laughs> you think so? You think there'd be some kind of a punishment, or 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 little, or even on Saturday, you know, just really looking to establish it. Um, you know, a clip that he gets to later, or excuse me, a quote he gets to later um, was his disappointment in the physicality um, of his offensive line, and that's not something you hear often uh, from him, uh, or you see often from an Ohio State offensive line. You know, those guys are built different, right? These are huge human beings who are athletic, um, who are some of the best players um, at their position in the country. Um, and they were struggling to move people. He referenced it a couple of times. You know, we have to move people. Um, you know, we have to be the enforcer. Um, and you'll see that on Saturday, of course, with uh, with the difference um, in skill level. Uh, but it's it will be good to start to get that mindset of, hey, you know, we, we can be dominant. You guys up front, build that confidence, build that belief in yourself that 
I'm stronger, bigger and stronger than the guy across from me. And I'm going to go show it. You know, sometimes you got to throw the X's and O's out the window and just be more physical than the guy lined up right across from you. Um, and that's something that uh, that was interesting to hear him say um, and something of note of like, hey, we need to just up our physicality. And, and that'll take us a long way uh, before getting into the schematics of it all. Yeah. And, and I while I agree with that, I find myself at a little bit of a crossroads because mm-hmm. That was a problem against Michigan each of the last two years, right? And so they need to prove to themselves, hey, look, we can we can be tougher. We can be stronger. We can be better at the point of attack. We need to be better at the line of scrimmage, period, point blank. But I, I guess where I struggle a little bit is, you know, he, he essentially said yesterday, we have to establish the run here. We can't be relying on the pass all the time. Sometimes you have to draw a line in the sand and move some people, and we have to do that better. And and I hear him. I just don't know that I 100% agree because I know what I've seen from his offense the last four-plus years now mm-hmm. where they they rely on the pass way more than the run, and it it works, right? I I, I understand that the game is played on the ground for the most part. And that's like old big 10 football and you've got a great running back room. So you want to use it, but I don't know that I love the idea just on paper. And I don't mean any disrespect to G Scott, who I thought played fine this weekend. Um, I don't know that I love the idea of Ohio state too regularly being in three tight end formations where Luke Montgomery, a backup offensive lineman comes into play tight end along with Cade Stover and G Scott. And you have a running back on the field, which means you've got one wide receiver on the field. So you take either Marvin or Emeka off to put a third tight end in the game. And especially if the Buckeyes are going to run a stretch play. And, and for example, we saw this a couple times on Saturday where Donovan Jackson was trying to pull into a hole that he couldn't even get to because he had to pull so far into a play that I just thought was poorly designed. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I want Ohio State's best players on the field, and I, I don't know the specific circumstances around what goes into the thought process for when they're calling plays, who's out there and who's not. Yeah, you'd wish he'd get into more of that, and he'll, he never will because no, he doesn't have to. Yeah, right. And there's a reason behind it. You know, it, are they trying to protect the quarterback? You know, we, we referenced it a number of times. You know, that offense looked different. I even went back, um, some of our some of our uh, followers leaving some good comments like, hey, this basically one of them was, you know, Kyle's game on Saturday didn't really relate to CJ's first game against Minnesota. So I went back and watched a couple of those clips and it just looked entirely different. Like, you know, we're in the shotgun back, you know, three or it would have been two or three years ago. And you're in the shotgun more, you're throwing it. Yeah, he didn't wasn't completing the ball, but they were ripping it all over the field. I think, you know, he had 20 attempts by halftime and finished in the 40s. You know, it just looked totally different. And you wonder if he feels that he's handicapped at quarterback. Um, and he may be, he may not be. You don't know. Um, because when we when we when we saw the clips of of Kyle getting to just really throw it. He looked good. He looked solid. The ball came out well. It was accurate, making some decent decisions. The decisions are going to get better. Um, but you don't know really why, what the thought process is on why you're you're trying to 
trying to lead the offense on the or through the run game. I mean, he referenced that. I've referenced that a number of times. You don't know what that reason is because it, your best players are your wide receivers, and we can we're going to say that until we're blue in the face because it's true. Why take them off the field? There should be no scenario. There should be no plays on Saturdays where Marvin Harrison and Emeka Buka aren't on the field. There just shouldn't be any of them because we even saw the clip at the end um, in the red zone. When Marvin's on the field, he requires two. He requires four eyes. He requires two guys to guard him at all times, and that lead, that creates holes and openings in the in the interior where you can't where you can gain numbers and gain leverage. I don't know. It's I agree exactly with what you're saying. You know, you're taking your best guys off the field um, to put good guys on the field, but they're not your best. And I don't, I don't know what that gets you. Yeah. And, and just the idea of I I, I wish he wouldn't handcuff himself because yeah. I, I, it's not that I don't trust the running backs. I do in general. Um, I like that room a lot. And when they choose to run the ball, I think it's going to generally be a pretty good play. I just, I don't know. Maybe I'm being too picky. I, I just don't like the idea of, of taking some of those guys off the yeah. field and, and somebody, well, just real quick, somebody asked him yesterday, you know, Hey, when do you like flip that switch from, I want to be conservative in my calls to be aggressive in situations. And his answer was really interesting. He said, you know, it's, it's probably the part of, of, you know, the art of coaching yeah. and it's, it has a lot to do with trust that's developed over time. Um, has a lot to do with your quarterback and with your offensive line. And he said, the more trust we have in them, the more we can let it rip. So it sounds like they're still developing as a coaching staff, a trust in that group to execute on big shot plays. Yeah. Uh, no question about it. And it's all, it's all tied together. Uh, later on, he got into a quote about how the half was shortened because of the time to, or because of the clock difference, but they had limited, uh, limited possessions. You're not going to get as many possessions. Well, you're not running the ball. When you're not the ball and you're running it and, you know, then you go three and outs or maybe you get one first down and you're punting, you know, it, it's all tied together. And then it also ties together when your dudes aren't on the field, that box is stuffed, man. It's really tough to run. Yeah, I mean, you could put Orlando Brown back out there, Orlando Pace back out there, and, you know, it would still be tough. You know, it, it would just be – it's just hard with this with what they schemed up on Saturday um, to to be successful um, with what you're doing. And, uh, you know, you look to see – you hope to see some improvements because in some of those cases, you watch the tape, you watch the, tape you know, the defensive line was just teeing off on the offensive line because they knew they weren't scared of anything vertical. They weren't scared of – Anything, you know, that was going to uh, to switch them up, they were just going, you know, pinning their ears back and going. Made it a little bit challenging. So Ryan said that um, Josh Fryer did grade out as a champion on Saturday, mm -hmm. uh, but that he was the only one that did so. And I, I actually thought Josh Fryer in real time, I thought he played fairly well. Um, as for whether or not the rest of the offensive line issues are correctable, here's what Coach had to say. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Let me ask you about more line those three new starters you probably knew it's going to take some time practice this practice were you overall disappointed in what you saw and or when you watched it did you think okay these are fairly correctable okay we, we got a real issue here yeah i don't i don't see anything on the film that isn't correctable like guys just getting flat out beat or not good enough so that is the most encouraging thing i think they are things that can um get corrected uh would have loved to see better execution but uh the, the the things that we've seen there are all practical 
So the, the filter that we often hear from Coach Day when he's evaluating tape is that, you know, problems that show up are for one of three reasons. It either wasn't coached right, it wasn't schemed up right in the first place, or, you know, the, the personnel can't get it done. So is it a player problem? Is it a, is it a teaching problem? Or is it a schematic problem? And I don't know that he necessarily gave away which one it was there other than saying the the issues are fixable. So that means the players must be good enough to be able to get it done. Um, I guess we'll find out if they think it's a schematic problem in games moving forward. Maybe they just didn't teach it well enough. I don't know, but I'm, I think they are probably shouldering the blame on some of that. No, no question. And like you said, it, it doesn't seem to me that he's concerned. And I, I do believe with the tone he was speaking with yesterday, he would have hinted at, hey, you know, we need to make a change or something needs to happen, you know, personnel-wise, just the way he was talking um, yesterday. Um, however, I think this goes back to some of the earlier points we had last week where it could be anybody, you know, it could be – you could have played Youngstown State last week. You could have played Notre Dame in week one. Um, week one is, is – impossible to prepare for. And you had a good question yesterday to Jim Knowles about the offense that they were preparing for, and you just have no tape. So the way um, the way that the offensive run game is built during the week, you know, the coaches will, will watch the tape, determine, hey, we're going to get a 3-4 this week, or we're going to get a 4-3 this week, or a 3-3-5 stack this week. And here's how we're going to attack the run game. Now, believe it or not, you know, this isn't Madden where you just go halfback dive and the guys just block everybody and goes like there's so much communication that goes into a power or a stretch play like you referenced or an outside zone or an inside zone. You know, these guys up front have to work five as one. And that's really, really hard to do when you know what you're getting. OK, they have to be able to combo up to linebackers and know where the linebackers will be or know what blitzes they're going to face. When you have no tape on anybody and they can come out and do whatever they want and there's no rhyme or reason potentially makes it really, 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 really hard um, to adjust mid game. It's hard on the coaches to adjust mid game. It's hard on the guys to adjust mid game, especially with the young guys and the, and the lack of experience you have up front. Cause a lot of times the center controls that like, Hey coach, we're getting a three, four. Here's what we need on the right side. Here's what we need on the left side. It's Carson Hensman's first game ever, you know? So that factors into it. All of those things really tie together. And I think that, kind of goes into what coach was saying. It was like, hey, none of these were like fit, like this guy can't play problems. A lot of it is can be changed, can be coached, and can be fixed, which is certainly encouraging to hear. And a lot of that, I'm sure, is built off of, hey, we know what we're going to get next week. Here's how you adjust to this blitz, or here's how you adjust to this stunt, or here's how we have to combo up to this guy and this. So there's improvements that can be made based on just having the ability to prepare for somebody um, and, and know what they're going to come and bring, bring at you. I mean, he was asked point blank about Carson Hinsman in general. How did you think Carson played? And he actually gave a fairly encouraging answer uh, and said, I, I thought he played fine. It, it wasn't, you know, a terrific performance, but given the circumstances, he said he was encouraged by uh, Carson's performance and, you know, you probably have a couple calls you don't like, but for the most part, he, he was in a pretty good spot. So, um, you know, again, if you're going to make some mistakes, but you still win, I guess that's a lot easier to, you know, to swallow. Um, I think it's hard to make corrections after losses because, you you know, morale hurts at the same time. Um, 
it, it's it's going to take a little time. And to your point, you get a couple of games here that are get right games. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you start with the one that's immediately in front of you. Uh, I, I read something interesting here in, in Ohio State's official media notes. Um, the Buckeyes have not lost to an FCS school ever. Um, uh, no, I'm, I'm sorry. Let me rephrase that. Uh, Ohio State has not lost to an FCS school since 1940 uh, when they played Cornell. And it's obviously it's a fun little note nugget, and it'll probably never happen again. Um, yeah. I, I'm not anticipating Ohio State losing to Youngstown State. And last week, no FCS schools beat FBS schools. They were 0-42 in those games. So, I mean, look, I, I the Buckeyes are playing a team on Saturday that has a lot of guys from Ohio, and Ryan Day alluded to the fact that they're going to play with some pride because they're coming to play in the horseshoe, and that's a cool moment. Um, without being disrespectful, I think they everybody on the planet knows that Ohio State's going to be the better team on Saturday. Yeah, and, and from a kind of behind-the-scenes um, look at it, you know, there's this isn't groundbreaking stuff, but, um, you know, you'll do a, let's say, a run period, okay? You'll do, if it's a 10-minute run period in practice, you'll do five minutes on Youngstown State, and they're doing five minutes on Notre Dame. You know, that's the way that these that these practices go uh, when you are facing an inferior opponent. And now they may not outwardly say it. They, the coaches may not be saying, all right, Notre Dame time, but you're, you're filtering in Notre Dame looks. You're filtering in. Notre Dame coverages or whatever, whatever you're working on, you know, so that these guys start seeing it because like you said, um, without being disrespectful and even coach had, I thought he had a great answer. He goes, Hey, this is a, this is an important game because, you know, Jim Trestle's the president of Youngstown state and he's going to be coming back to the shoe. And these are Ohio guys, you know, Youngstown guys are tough. Um, and you know, this is one we're not taking lightly. Um, however, they, they understand the circumstances. I think we all do. Um, that, uh, that this is a get-right game uh, for them. And they do need to get right. You need to see improvements um, across the field um, and, and just start seeing this Ohio State team look like Ohio State. Just uh, for clarity, I think Coach Tress retired as the president back in February, but he certainly has been at Youngstown State now for, for a good little while. Um, all right, wouldn't be a Buckeye breakdown podcast without talking quarterback for a minute or two, so let's do that as we kind of wrap things up. Um, you know, I – I don't think we got any clarity on exactly how Ryan wants to handle the quarterback situation. He he said once again, Kyle's a starter, and I personally I like the fact that Kyle's a starter, and I don't have any problem with it. Um, I just didn't understand his approach last week, I, and I realized things happen. He he called it a little bit of a gut feeling as the game was going on. He he didn't say anything that would indicate that Devin Brown has no shot anymore. He continued to call this thing, you know, uh, somewhat of an extended competition. He said, and I quote, uh, our goal is to have a good quarterback room and win games. I don't really want to draw hard lines in the sand. Okay. But I don't know what Devin Brown could possibly do this week or next week to, to suddenly overtake Kyle and become the guy by Notre Dame. So like that just doesn't, it doesn't really resonate with me. Um, but again, I, I thought we saw enough good things from Kyle anyways on Saturday. And and now you're going to go see a team that you should totally control the line of scrimmage and you shouldn't have any problem in the secondary. Um, I, I would think Ohio state's going to probably pick apart the penguins a little bit. 
here's what coach had to say when when I asked him yesterday about um, you know evaluating McCord's tape when he sat down with Kyle and and what Kyle thought of his performance. Coach, I, um, I assume when you sit down with Kyle, there's some feedback that you hear, and I assume you ask him some self-assessment. Um, how did he seem to about the way he performed? Um, yeah, you just kind of ask how, how do you feel? How did it how did it go out there? And I think we both felt the same way. There was some there was good moments, some good throws, um, some other things that you wish you had back. When you look at first-time starters uh, here in the past, I mean that was probably similar. Um, would have liked to see you know him get more snaps. I'd like to see Devin get more snaps in the game. That didn't didn't happen because the number uh, of plays it just you know didn't quite get over seventy. You know, you'd like to get into that area, but um, but I think that there was a lot of things to learn from, but also some some good plays as well. Um, so you know it was good enough to win. In this game, which is the most important thing, um, but and it's not just Kyle; it's, it's you know the offense across the board. It won't be good enough moving forward to reach our goals. Uh, I think we just got cut off there at the end. He said it wasn't going to be good enough going forward to reach their goals. Um, you know, look, I, I think that's a fair evaluation of saying, "Hey, fine, good start. Let's not overreact to week one. Some good things and some things we need to work on." Uh, and if you missed our our podcast on Monday, we did a. I thought a pretty cool film breakdown. We, we looked at lots of different plays, pointing out some of those things. Hey, here was some really good stuff. And gosh, here were some flat out misses, um, you know, from the quarterback spot, from the offensive line play, from lots of spots on the field where Ohio State needs to be more efficient. So um, not surprised that Kyle was sort of on that same page where he probably walked away from that game going, all right, you know, that was fine. But uh Couple throws I'd like to have back: the missed check down, the um, you know uh, the the missed deep shot when he maybe could have found Marvin underneath, um, uh, a bad out route somewhere along the way when when he was looking for Marvin on the far sideline. Just a few throws here and there. Yeah, a few throws here and there, and like you said, that's one where he got back on the bus and it was like, eh, you just don't feel great. Yeah, we won, but the nice part is, you know, Coach said it right at the end. It was good enough to win Saturday. Imagine if we were in Clemson's position where, you know, it, it wasn't good enough to win Saturday. So at the end of the day, it's most important that you leave wherever you're at with a W for sure. Um, and then you just get better, just get better. And I think uh, what he had to say there, what Coach Day said about um, him not getting, not him not seeing enough snaps or wanting to see more snaps. I think that tells me a little bit like, hey, this is, we want Kyle to get the lion's share of, of, of snaps, but have Devin prepared just in case. You know, you think back to uh, the national championship year when it went JT and then Cardell Jones ended up, you know, having to come in and win the national title and, um, you know, a lot of stuff. You just have to – you want to have guys ready just in case. But I think that um, – I think you'll see it Saturday. I think it'll be pretty evident. In my opinion, I could be wrong. Uh, but in my opinion, I think, uh, you know, he'll roll Kyle out there. Like you said, Kyle will play until the game's kind of in hand. And then you'll see Devin start getting some snaps. Like I said, could be wrong, but that's kind of what I'm reading from the tea leaves that, that, that we've been given. Um, and you just hope that he's making those right improvements. I will say this. Uh, as much as I have spent the last several days and certainly the last 20 minutes clamoring that Marvin and Emeka need to be on the field constantly or or darn near all the time, uh, Saturday I sincerely hope that Marvin Harrison Jr. is targeted a bunch on the first drive, maybe the second drive, yeah. and then I hope – uh, the training staff takes his helmet and gives him a pair of shorts and a t-shirt and says, 
please watch the rest of the game from the sideline. <laughs> There's just no reason to have, you know, th- those guys on the field in a game where you're playing an FCS opponent. Like, go get in a little bit of a rhythm and please get out of the game healthy. Yeah, absolutely. It was a scary one on, on Saturday. It would have been over on the far side of the field uh, where he went up. Kyle missed him. It was like that out route. Kyle missed on his backside. He jumped up for it and came down and smacked his elbow, and it looked like looked bad. I've had shoulder injuries myself, and the first thing I thought was, uh-oh, this isn't good. It didn't look good. He, he was on the ground for a little bit. Thank God he got up. Uh, but like you said, get this guy some targets, give him some catches, maybe a touchdown, wrap him in bubble wrap. We'll see you next week. Or in two weeks. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Make sure you're ready on September 23rd and do whatever yeah. you got to do to get to that point. That's for sure. All right. So that'll put a bow on our podcast this morning, talking offensive line and a little bit of quarterback. Uh, plenty more coverage available over on BuckeyesNow.com, both from yesterday and starting to look forward uh, here this week. I, I know it's one of those weeks where as an Ohio State fan, it's it's like it's hard to get up for this game. You know, you you have a hard time getting fired up to watch Ohio State play against Youngstown State. But I think if you approach it with the right mentality and realize that, you know, you're going to win, um, try to watch for some specific areas of growth. Like let's let's watch the left side of the offensive line in particular. Let's watch schematically how what kinds of formations do the Buckeyes come out in. Are they going to run I-form against Youngstown State? They don't need to to win the game. Maybe they're doing it because they they want to practice it. I don't know. Um, What kinds of things are they not putting on film because they're trying to to keep, you know, some stuff maybe held back uh, before they play Notre Dame in a couple weeks? Um, Will Cade Stover continue to be as involved in the pass game as he was coming off of a career high performance last week. In fact, Julian Fleming's six catches on Saturday were a single game career high for him. Will he continue to be involved as heavily in the past game? Um, you know, there, there, there are a lot of things we can watch for on the offensive side of the ball. And, um, you know, certainly the defense more than did its job. I mean, a, a three point performance is terrific. Um, of all of the top 25 teams that played in week one, Nobody gave up fewer yards defensively than Ohio State did, and they played a Power 5 team. They didn't play a cupcake opponent early, even if you don't think Indiana's very good, and I don't think Walt Bell really tried very hard offensively, but that's a conversation for another pod. <laughs> um, you know, so look, there there were there were some, some good signs on both sides of the ball, and I think you can find ways to evaluate uh, a game against a lesser opponent to see some growth. Um, and if nothing else, man, like I said, it's a get right game and, and we're looking forward to covering it for you along the way. And it's Buckeyes in the shoe. So yeah, take all those things and enjoy a beautiful day watching the, uh, the Scarlet and Gray and the horseshoe. Can't beat that. We'll be there. Can't wait to cover it for you live. And we've got more coverage coming for you uh, leading up to the game on Saturday afternoon. For Anthony Meglin, I'm Brendan Gulick. Thanks for subscribing to the YouTube channel. If you're watching live with us, no problem. If you listen after the fact too, that's fine. But please know we're live 7 a.m every weekday morning, and we'll continue to bring you the latest from the Woody Hayes Athletic Center. Buckeyesnow.com for all the latest. Hope you enjoyed our coverage this morning, and we'll see you again tomorrow morning.